We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Uh-huh. Welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm CBB Chris Van Vliet. Thank you so much for being with us. And seriously, thank you so much for all the recent ratings and reviews you've left on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I can't express how much they help this show to grow. So if you have 30 seconds today to leave a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts, I would be eternally grateful for that. You know, pro wrestling has a long history of athletes who competed in the Olympics before signing with WWE or AEW. Kurt Angle is obviously the first name that comes to your mind, but Bad News Brown, Chad Gable, Carl Gotch, Ronda Rousey, Jeff Cobb, Mark Henry, and today's guest, Anthony Agogo, were all Olympians, and a lot of them were medal-winning Olympians. Anthony Agogo won bronze as a boxer in the 2012 Summer Games in London, and he tells the story in great detail because a few years later, he had a devastating eye injury that ended his boxing career, but it landed him where he is now. He was the first person to ever sign a developmental talent deal with AEW, and now you know him as the governor. He's on social media at Anthony Agogo. I'm on social media at Chris Van Vliet. And please take a screenshot. Let us know that you're listening to this and tag us so we can share it as well. It was such a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. It's me and Anthony Agogo. Man, what a shirt, by the way. I, I, you just you look look like a million bucks. Thank you, man. But you're a snappy dresser. So I've got to come. I've got to, I've got to bring you to the table. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, today I'm just wearing basically a T-shirt, and you can't see it, but I'm actually wearing gym shorts because I'm going to be in the gym <laughs> after this. Because I know after talking to you, I'm going to be all jacked up, and I'm like, all right, I, I got to get in. Anthony works so hard in the gym. I got to be on your level. Thank you, mate. No, thank, I do. I do work very hard. Uh, listen, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about my journey as we go on, but like, life's all about working hard. I think that is the secret to success. There's no... There's no secret like, but like Bugs's magic stuff on, on on Bugs Bunny, right? Or Michael's magic stuff. Like, there's no magic water, there's no magic drink, no magic, no magic like sprinkle dust. It's work ethic, working hard. And that's all you've got. And I think if you do that, you'll be held in good stead in anything you do in life. 
it's so interesting looking back at like photos of you because you know I, I think everybody knows that your path began in boxing and when you look back at the photos of you in boxing and then you look like a side by side of you now you're like two completely different people mate different people like i look back at myself now and i think i look back at myself now when i was then but in my head like i thought i was huge <laughs> in my head i thought i was massive because as a middleweight boxer they're boxing 160 like i was a big middleweight i was boiled yeah. down from 185 190 so i was a big middleweight. so i had four people i was always big around them right so in my head i had the opposite to like like body dysmorphia i had like bottled i, I, was, I just thought i was huge <laughs> and nobody told me i wasn't it wasn't until i actually got bigger for wrestling so i was like oh no my legs were like toothpicks back then i was a skinny little teenager <laughs> but uh, yeah listen you know um, and it was hard making weight I've, I've been making weight i've been losing weight making weight since i was my first fight i was 12 years old so from 12 years old to 30 years old i was battling against the scales uh, to make weight. Once I made weight, I was then actually fighting. So I'm very proud of myself. In and I, I, oft, I rarely do I pat myself on the back. So I'm very competitive and very driven. But I'm very proud of myself to making 11 stone six, which is 72.5 kilos, 160 pounds. As an adult, it's very difficult when you're a, a large man like myself. Yeah. And oh, yeah, you've got a big frame. Thank you. And um, yeah, turn uh, turn to wrestler. I worked very hard. Never taken a drug. Never cheated. Never lied, never stole anything in my life. So uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've worked very, very hard to to get where I am, and I'm very, very proud of myself for doing it the way and the clean way. At what age would you say you started to fall in love with boxing? When I worked first, what I walked, so I walked in the gym. So how I got into boxing? I was 12 years old. I was in year seven at school, playing football, soccer on the on the playground. Like we did every lunchtime. I was through to the final, single copy. So all the kids play against each other. If you score a goal, you go through to the next round. I was in the final. My two best mates were in the semi-final against each other. Aaron was a little dweeb, Aaron Cooper. Adam Deacon was big. He was cool. All the girls fancied him. Uh, they're playing football. Adam was doing some skills. Done a Cruyff turn. Took a shot. It whacked off Aaron's leg. Flew into the top corner. Aaron went through. So Deacon was pissed off. So he, he got the arm. He was pissed off. So he goes over to Aaron and he shoves him down. Poor Aaron. So Aaron's a little geek guy. Aaron needs to wear the backwards cap. And he's played football with his backpack on his shoulders. So most people take their bags off and their coats off and put them yeah. in, the, in the goal. He had one out of his backpack and whacking it when he went around the sides. And then, um, so at Deacon pushed him, he fell down and his bag opened and his lunchbox kind of fell out of his bag and his like sandwiches his mum made him came out all soggy on the floor. And he went, don't do that. Adam did it again. Aaron got gets up like in the cartoon. He rolls his sleeves up puts his fists up, we circle, fight, 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 fight. Everyone thinks Adam's going to win. He's big, he's cool, he's got nice hair. All the girls fancy him. Right. 20 seconds later, Aaron went, bosh, big Adam was on the floor, crying his eyes out. Oh. I was like, bloody hell, what, what happened? So I go to Aaron, I said, mate, how'd you learn to do that? Because I go to a boxing club. I was like, I need to come. I need to learn how to do that. He said, as a, as a Wednesday, so there's a beginner session on tonight, 6 p.m. So I go to the advanced class. I've been going for like a year. Had no idea. One of my best friends. He's like, yeah. so I was like, oh, I don't want to go by myself. So the school bell goes. Everyone walks in. Adam is like drying his tears off on the on the playground. I go, Diggs. I go, he only beats you because he goes boxing club. But what we should do, go tonight, get really good, 
you can fight him, get him tomorrow, then you'll win. And he goes, oh, I don't know, I don't know, because he's got a little bit of a, bit of a fat lip. I said, mate, I said, like, you'll smash him. I said, and he wasn't, he wasn't, he's unsure. I went, mate, all the girls will fancy you again. He went, yeah, I went, yeah. He went, all right then. So we go home, I go home, I get my bicycle, bike to Adams, pick him up, gave him a seater, gave him a backy, bike down the road. I went to a sports shop, right? It's like an independent sports shop. And Aaron said, bring a gum shield, a mouth guard. I had no idea. I, didn't, I had no idea you had to put a modem and hot water to your teeth. I had no idea. So going to this little independent um, sports shop, got a gum shield for 50p, which is like 30 cents, right? Got it. Stuck, so I went to the boxing gym, really in my mouth, just, just bouncing around. It wasn't molded. just a plastic piece of plastic in my mouth. I walked in, mate, walked in the door. Hamdali posted on the wall the smell like I said, there's something about the smell of a boxing gym you just mm-hmm. you either hate it or you fall in love with it walked in a gym and I had no idea if I was going to be any good or not I thought I mean I was good at stuff so I thought I hoped I would but whether I was good or not like, I knew this was me like, I found my home and uh, I walked in the gym the first day 12 years old and I finally in my first time in my life I I felt at home and I was there the next 18 years of my life. Man, but there's a big difference, though, between someone who goes and takes boxing classes and lessons and someone who wants to eventually fight pro or, or for, in your case, go to the Olympics. Yeah. So where did that shift happen for you? Um, so my only goal in my, my only goal in my entire life is win the gold medal Olympic Games in boxing. Only thing I wanted to do. If I'd have done that, I'd have, I'd have probably retired from boxing and then went into acting or something. Really? You never would have turned pro? Never wanted to turn pro. Didn't want to turn pro. Was never bothered about turning pro. Most kids, they want to become, they want to become, you know, world champ, the Mayweathers. They're inspired by Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson or Mayweather or Oscar or whomever. Exactly, right? Uh, Funny enough, some of those people, Ali, uh, Ali Mayweather got a bronze medal. Uh, Delahoy and Ali both won gold medals, 60 and 92 Olympics. So I wanted to become like Ali, like Delahoya, like Sugar Ray Leonard, and win the gold medal in the games. I wasn't mm-hmm. fussed about turning pro. I didn't want to turn pro. Um, yeah, there's loads, there's loads around that. But yeah, I wasn't. I just wanted to win the gold medal in the games, and um, almost did it. Almost did it. Had a lot of adversity in that year, um, which has been a a common theme in my life, and. Often I was telling somebody, I said, and Ashley Dunbar's a uh, really good independent wrestler yesterday. Uh, we were talking about just after I told about my life, and I said, My life sounds so unbelievable that if I couldn't back it up with medical records and 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 proof, it sounds unbelievable. Right. And and she knows me well enough that I wasn't lying. I showed her a lot of stuff and she couldn't believe it. My life was such a up, down, topsy turny roller coaster of a of a ride. Um yeah, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of being here. I am, you know, because I've been through some very difficult, dark times. And I'm still here, still smiling, still trying to be successful at what I'm doing right now. And um, I'm having fun. It's been good. What do you think is the most unbelievable thing about Anthony Agogo's life? Well, uh, mate, I said to her yesterday, I said, you could pick a year. Pick a year between 20, 2008 and now. Pick a year. And I'll just tell you an unbelievable thing, right? Um, well, the eye injury was was which ended my boxing career and was the reason why I got into wrestling. That was that was three years of hell. Yeah, uh, were you were you like legally blind there? Seventy percent blind in my left eye. Yeah, 
How, what's the percentage? Seventy-eight. But left eye's fucked. My left eye's that, pretty buggered. Still to this day. Yeah, it doesn't come back. Yeah, and it's like so every single day. Like I often, I often like, like bump it up. So growing up as a kid, I was pretty cool. I was a cool kid. I was that dickhead at school that like I was I was clever at school. I found school really easy. I was just my brown relatively like naturally quite intelligent. I was good at any sport I did. Played for Norwich City uh, up until under 14s. Uh, captain of my county. I was captain of the basketball team. I was uh, I, I was that kid that never ever ever picked up a tennis racket before. And in our first PE class, I was beating Mister Mister Marshall at tennis because <laughs> like. I was just good at stuff. And there's a million things I cannot do, right? And I always outweigh it by saying, I did Dance with the Stars in the UK back in 2015. We called it Strictly Thumb Dancing. And I went out on week three. <laughs> I can't dance. Wow. There's loads of things I can't do. But luckily, growing up as a kid, I was always very good at sport and very good at school. And I was very competitive. So I wanted to be the best at everything. Um, how, how, much that, how much of that do you think is like this natural innate talent that you have? And how much is it what you were talking about earlier, where you just put a bunch of hard work into it and you see the goal and you want to chase after it? A bit of both. I think a, a bit of both. I mean, what I've learned later in my life, I was going to go through a, a, a dark time. I was kind of learning more about myself, which I think is really important for people to do. People, especially people that strive. Right? I want to become great because when you have massive dreams and ambitions, like ultimately you're going to fail a lot of the time and then those when you're not used to failing and when you fail that can really do something to somebody's psyche um a lot of it i think i was naturally good at stuff naturally athletic athletic but the determination the, the desire to win was almost like i used to i'll be in so many people in boxing that i wasn't supposed to be um, bigger than me punched harder faster but like just through what I always, my best attribute as a boxer, I was very, I was good at everything. I could punch hard. I was never the hardest puncher, but I could punch hard. Um, I was I was very fast. Wasn't the fastest, but I was very fast. The thing, I had a very good boxing IQ. The things that I could control, like I was the best at. I never went into the ring and boxed somebody who was fitter than me because what I looked at was, was you can be taller, you can be more awkward, have an awkward style, you can punch harder. But you cannot outwill me. Like mm. my fitness, I control my fitness. I control how hard I run, how far I run, how fast I run, my times on the rowing machine. That's all down to me. My boxing IQ, watching yeah. fights, watching styles, watching why, who wins and why they win and what punches are scoring points. Like I control that. Yeah. So I was very proud that the things that, because some like Mike Tyson was, 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 was born with unbelievable power. Obviously, you can work hard and you can improve certain things, but you ain't going to, you know, like, you know, Marvin Hagler could hit really, really, really hard. Yeah. He did not, can, he didn't um, have that, that unbelievable, like, knockout concussive power that some people do. So, what he did, he was just big and tough and was hard to fight. So, he worked on his own strengths. And I think it's very important to work on certain things, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm very proud that I've, I've done that my entire life. So, when you talk about the unbelievable things that have happened in your life, it seems like a lot of them stem back from like some some pretty bad injuries. We mentioned the eye, but like you've had some other like pretty bad injuries that I feel like if they didn't happen, you might be in a completely different place in your life. Hundred percent. So, so people can people might be listening to me thinking that I wanted to win a gold medal in Olympic Games and I chose not to stay. My so I had the most. Heart-rendering, dramatic qualification to the Olympics. 
2011, 2012, riddled with injuries, riddled with certain things going on. And I finally qualified. And there's there's a whole hour talking just that, right? Mm. Overcoming deficits, which has never been done before in Olympic qualification history. I finally qualified after two and a half years of struggle. I missed the 2008 Olympics because of an injury. So in 2008, when I was 19, I'd done my left shoulder and I missed the Olympics because I missed the qualifiers because of that. 2012, I got kicked off the Great Britain team because I was injured, even though I was the reigning junior Olympic champion, reigning junior world champion. They kicked me off. I had to work my ass off to come get back on the squad. Got back on the squad. I beat the number one in the world. I had my right shoulder out for X amount of time. Had to rush back for the second qualifier, the final qualifier. Um, I got back. I finally qualified. Then five weeks before the Olympic Games, uh, my sister rang me. So we trained in Sheffield, which is the city up north in England. The Great Britain team trained in Sheffield. And 20 past eight on a Tuesday morning, my sister Joanne called me. She went, Anthony, crying eyes out. She said, you've got to come home now. Mum is about to die. And I went, fuck. And my mum, uh, my hero, uh, you know, grew up. Mum, I've got four sisters. Our dad wasn't around ever. Um, so we're a really close family. We're like, like you know, go to war for each other, stand on someone's shoe on, on the train. <laughs> you know, like we'd, we yeah. we're so, so close. And then my mum, you know, I was 23 at the time, but I was still very much a mummy's boy, still am very much a mummy's boy, um, my hero. And yeah, I sat by her bedside for four weeks. Uh, in the Olympics, we were in five weeks when they called me the Tuesday. So five Fridays later, the open ceremonies, the next hour boxed. And for four weeks, I'd mentally pulled out of the Olympic Games. because so I thought, how can I go and fight at the Olympic Games, even though it meant everything to me? And my mum is lying in bed fighting for her life. And she was in a yeah. coma. And it looked like she she should have, the, the bleed that she had on her brain, she should have died like that. And um, how she didn't is, I've heard doctors say it was a miracle. Like doctors that, that are scientists that don't really believe in like miracles. I've said it was a miracle because it was such a bad one. So for four weeks, I didn't do a thing. Didn't do a punch, didn't do a sit-up. And then my family and my then-girlfriend and my wife said to me, look, you've got to do the Olympic Games. When mum gets better, now none of us thought she was going to, but when mum gets better, she's going to feel awful knowing that you didn't do the Games because of her. I thought, oh, man, the ultimate guilt trip, right? But they were right, because had I not done it, had I not yeah. done it, mum survived, she'd have literally, that would have killed her, because she knew, at this time, I lived in Sheffield with the GB squad, to come back on one weekend, every two or three, four weeks, and loads of washing, the boss, mum would wash it, wash my, my hand wrap, she'd iron them for me, she's like, she'd make me like little pack lunch boxes to drive, to drive. and so I was a very much a mummy's boy, right? I'm my only boy, uh, five kids, and they are right, and I went to Sheffield, we had one week of training left before um, before the Olympics. We went to Stratford for the Olympic Games. And then I had once, and there was a family and friends day, right? And everyone else, everyone else who went to the Olympics could invite their family and friends to watch and train that one last day. And then um, the coaches knew what I was going through. I'd been away for a month, but dads didn't know, so I wanted to keep, keep it like my secret. Had my phone in my, in my pocket on my shorts when I was sparring, my last spar. Because I was next of kin. So when they call, I've got to answer. Mm. So I'm, I'm a spine called Fred Evans. Fred Evans is really, really good. They had all his family around the ring, whacking the ring, cheering them on for this last bar. I didn't want to be there. The bell's gone. We did four three-minute rounds. I come out. I threw a sloppy jab. The, 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 the first punch I've thrown in the month. He comes out, bang, slips it, body shot, and he breaks my rib. 
and crack my whip and dislocate it. And uh, you can feel it now, like here, still, oh, still geez. popped out. And I, I somehow got through this bar. I sat on the wing apron. I slip, I sweat a lot when I train. I had all my grease on my face and like the, the sweat and the grease were masquerading the tears. And I was sitting on the wing apron. I was crying my eyes out thinking I had a, had a dislocated shoulder, which wasn't healed properly because I had to rush it. It came out in one of my pro fights a few, three years later. I had tears in both my Achilles tendons, which would leave, later keep me out for two years. I had four surgeries on them. Uh, they were they were they were buggered. My rib is broken, and then worst of all, I thought my mum is gonna die any second. I'm never gonna see her again. And that was my Olympic Games. That's my build up to Olympic Games. That was, that was that was my build up, right? Yeah. And then went to London. I got a really 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 hard draw. I beat a Dominican in my first fight. I beat the Ukrainian in my second fight. Ukrainian was assuring for the gold medal, hadn't lost in two years, got from Ivan Kvyatov. He was, man, he was unbelievable. The, the, the World Championships, the first Olympic qualifier, when I hurt my shoulder, he won them, got the gold medal. He had seven fives, knocked out six, smashed the Japanese guy in the final. He was, man, he was mustard. And nobody gave me a chance of beating him. Nobody gave me a chance of beating him. I talk about work ethic, I talk about belief a lot. Work, work, work ethic and belief are the two things you need, that anybody needs in the world. To be successful at anything, and and when the when they um go to these like big like major championships, you sit in the in the team in the team meeting room, and when the draw is done, and a manager says, right, you're boxing him. If you beat him, the next day you're boxing him. They got to me and said to me, I was the first person to box on the Great Britain squad the day after the ceremony, opening ceremony. They went, Anthony, you're boxing uh, you're boxing today in the afternoon against Dominican, All right? And I swear on my life, I'll never forget this. The team manager did this, right? He went, and if you beat him, you've got the, uh, you've got the Ukrainian. And that, that, I thought, you bastard, right? That face, man, that face, because he knew what I was going through at the time. Yeah. That face, man, at least you've got your Team GB tracksuit. At least you can say you're an Olympian. There's no oh, way you're beating wow. this guy, right? Like, because even... Even if I was fit, healthy, no shoulder, Achilles, or rib, he, uh, that's a tough fight for me. But the fact my mom's in hospital and I'm not sleeping, I'm losing weight because I'm sick with worry and I'm I'm stressed now every second of the day, generally thinking she's going to die, um, having surgeries on the brain every other day to keep her alive, um, respiratory problems. Like, there's no way I'm going to beat this guy. I beat this guy. I box this lad in the most unbelievable fight in in Olympic boxing history, I believe. Generally was it was like it was an inmate, it was a, it was a barn burner, and I beat him. And then I fought the German the next fight, next day, and I got my bronze medal. And I boxed a Brazilian, and like the fight, and he and he beat me. But the frustrating thing was, which I'm still, I'm kind of getting over it now, ten years on. But I struggled with this for a long time because he was the worst person I boxed at the Olympic Games. Mm. The Dominican, the Ukrainian, and German had all beaten him that Olympic year. Mm. By the time I got to the semi-final, I was just fucked, mate. I had, like, physically, emotionally, I could barely get my head out. of Like, oh, I had nothing left. And, you know, I just, I had nothing left. And he beat me. And I was, I was gutted because, like, I deserved the gold medal more than anybody, I think, in the Olympic Games and any of the sports, any of the disciplines. But, you know, I, I didn't get it. And there's something I've got, you know, something of, again, another life lesson. You don't always get what you deserve. You know, you don't. And, and you got to go up and crack on. And, and I had a choice. So we go back to the reason why I told the story is because I had a choice to make. You no, know, I wanted Olympic gold medal more than anything. 
Yeah. But what I had done in the Olympics, which I'd, I'd watched every Olympics since 19... My first memory in my life, I was three and a half years old, I watched Linford Christie, who's a British sprinter, win the gold medal in Barcelona in 1992. He stood there with the Union Jack. I do it when I walk to the ring now. Union Jack flag behind his head. Yeah. He won the gold medal. And in like, you know, in nine, nine, eight or something, nine, nine. Like, and he's, Christie's Olympic is a, is, a, is a British hero, right? And that was the first memory of my life. And I had to do the Olympic Games, win the gold medal and follow in his footsteps. And what I'd watch every Olympics, winter and summer, from being three and a half to being in them when I was 23. And then uh, my mom got really ill. And at this, after the Olympics in August, I had no idea if she was going to live or die or not because she was still on the edge. Every day was, the doctor, she ain't had the woods. She's not held the woods yet. And then um, I realized that, like, I couldn't wait four more years and go back to Rio, go to Rio, Rio Olympics, because what I'd done, I'd, the Olympics and my mom's illness had become one, and I couldn't, I couldn't separate them. Like, the best time of my life, also the worst time of my life. Mm-hmm. So I made a real tough decision to turn pro. And that's the only reason why I turned pro, because I just couldn't go through three and a half more years of, of, of boxing, going boxing all these little countries you have to fight at, because... Olympic boxing is not glamorous. The only glamorous bit is the Olympics. Sure. The other, like, 300 and whatever many days when you're not in the Olympics is, is shit, right? Like, going to Kazakhstan, eating horse meat, and then getting, getting your head punched in by Kazakhstanis that pretend they're middleweights, but they're really heavyweights, you know? It's um, difficult. So I tried to turn pro, and then the gold medal was then the world title as a pro, you know? And I was... Mum, she thankfully touched which she's able to like survive and, and and then I was like, if I turn pro and, and become world champion, earn a lot of money, I can help pay for her care. And I was 23 at the time, life becomes more of a business because, you know, unfortunately you need money to live. <laughs> and then uh, so I turned pro and that was just really, you know, as mad as you think the Olympic story was, my pro my pro career was ten times madder and more heartbreaking, believe it or not. How how difficult was it for you to make the transition from boxing to wrestling? Because you know, natural athlete, gifted in the ring. It's a very different kind of ring here, though. Um, so I'm just gonna be me, right? This interview is hundred percent me. I ain't the Please, governor, yeah. I'm Anthony Gogo. And people I, I rub people the wrong way sometimes, but that's when they don't get me. And I'll be very honest. I found it quite easy, if I'm being entirely honest. Um, I've been a wrestling fan my entire life, a genuine fan. Like I'd never, I had, I didn't miss a war for 15 years. I'd go wow. to, I'd go, I'd go to Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan, Baku and Azerbaijan, boxing in 2011, and had my big laptop, my big Toshiba laptop, carry and a whole suitcase just for that. It was so big, and I'd go and I'd be like in Azerbaijan looking for like illegal streaming sites where I could watch war <laughs> because. I couldn't. That was my guilty. But that was my. That was my escape. And Raz on at like two in the morning there, right? Uh, mate, Azerbaijan. There, I think they're five hours ahead of the UK or three hours ahead of the UK. It's just eight hours ahead of Eastern. So, but I'm not necessarily on live. I'd just watch it the next day and like, there's my thing. I think laptop solely to watch wrestling because right. I loved it. I couldn't go out two weeks without without watching it. Um, Who are your guys? Uh, my three. My three guys. Rock, Taker, Triangle, as a fan growing up. Now, now being in the business, totally, doesn't totally change, but now I can appreciate things 
So I actually got, I want to, I want to thank you, Chris, if I'm honest, because I signed the AEW at the very beginning, at the very, very, very beginning. I didn't get here till almost a year later because of, of, of COVID and, yeah. and visa stuff or whatever. So the wrestling fan I was, I was the wrestling fan I used to watch Raw SmackDown as it was back then. And for those two hours, I'd immerse myself in. I wouldn't want to know the wrestlers' real names. I didn't want to know who they were dating, their ages. I, I wouldn't... I, I, the curtain was there, and I was so happy to look at this side of the curtain. I didn't want to peek behind. I wasn't into that stuff. I wanted to... I go to the cinema to watch James Bond, and I know it's Daniel Craig, but for those two hours, that's James Bond to me. Sure. Like, that is James Bond. The same thing with wrestling. I don't... I don't go on YouTube things and look like how how Daniel Craig does this maneuver. I don't want to know. Like I don't want to see how the how the magician does the magic. I don't want to see how he does it. I just want to watch the the tricks. Sure. So I um so the point I'm making is I I, I love wrestling. And then when I had to retire from boxing, um, it was the neck. It was it was the what I wanted to do. The the neck. I love wrestling. Right. I wanted to do wrestling. I didn't get it. Like, I didn't get it from the business side, I think. I just watched wrestling and loved wrestling. So when I first turned pro as a wrestler, I I watched your interviews, mate, like religiously. From oh, 2019 wow. to 2020, you know, around the time where Sean Spears smacked the shit out of you on your, on your chest that time. Around that period, mate, I watched everything. Wow. And I learned so much about behind the curtain because I didn't know it. I didn't get it. And I was just like, when Cody bought me and I was like, listen, Cody, like, I, I'm, I was so reluctant to make a faux pas because I just don't get how the business works because I didn't, I never wanted to know. I wanted to believe it was real what, what I was watching. That sounds really silly and childish, but that's, that's, that's what I was. So, mate, massive thank you for doing your great interviews because I learned a lot about how Western work by watching you talk to your, uh, talk to your wow. guests. That's very kind of you to say, and thank you. And like, I'm, I'm honored now that we're able to have this conversation where people are going to be watching this interview of you and then learning about the business and learning about you through this. So I think it's amazing. Mm, thank you. Thank you, mate. Where, how did so, Cody so, find out about you, by the way? So um, I've tried from boxing. I was friends with DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, legend. He's like my mentor in this game. I love the man. What an unbelievable dude. I cannot put him over enough, honestly. And, like, and, and, absolutely. He, and he really is. How did you get so, connected with Dallas? So I was injured. I just hurt my eye. And I always thought I was going to fight. I had nine surgeries in three years on my eye to get back in the boxing ring. Hurt in 2016. Retired in 2019. Um, mate, it was a very difficult time. We're in some quite dark places, as I mentioned earlier. And I was training, I trained, I was training, like I was fighting for the world title, but the whole time, right? I'd travel, travel from my house to West London, hour and a half to West London, train for three hours, hour and a half back, train at night. Mate, I was like, I always thought I was going to fight again. And then I was training so hard and I was always making weight, losing weight, my body wasn't recovering. I got a back injury and I thought, I've got to start doing something. And being a wrestling fan, I just listened to podcasts, listened to Jericho podcast, and, and he was always putting over DDPY. So I, reach out to him on the ground and then he got back to me we became best mates <laughs> we became best wow. mates like that and i had i had nine surgeries on my eye in three years i had uh four in america so every surgery i had in the u.s i fly over early come to atlanta stay with dallas we'd 
I would just hang out. We trained together, DDP yoga, and we just like, be with each other and like just learn from each other. And you know, and he said to me, "He's never thought of." Okay, so another another little longish story. He said to me, "Mate, have you ever thought about now being a wrestler?" I said Dallas, "Thank you so much. I'm honoured." He said, "You got the look. You can talk well." He went, obviously, naturally athletic. I, I think he could do this. I, mate, yeah. I was really humble. Thank you so much. But listen, boxing is my, my thing. My dream is to, to win the world title. I have to do that. I get it. Totally get it. Totally get it. And he's, some, he's someone who knows about work ethic and, and working hard and achieving your dreams. So another surgery went, but I had, a, I had a surgery. And basically, one of the maddest things happened to me. I had a surgery at three in, in this hospital in, in, in America. And then I woke up from the third one. And I knew the protocol as my 15th surgery in my life, my third in the hospital, fifth on my eye altogether. And my heart stopped on the operating table. And that's a resuscitation me back to life, right? Wow. And I was like, fuck, and I was really, I was just scary as you can imagine. And, and, and the maddest thing, I had, I had four more after that. You know, after going through that, knowing what was, it was a mad, odd period in my life. Anyway. So Dallas called me after I stayed in hospital that night to do regular checks. And Dallas called me. He said to me, well, how did it go? I mean, not well, because of what that happened very early in surgery. And everyone was panicked. All the, all the doctors and stuff were panicked. And they didn't really want to carry on the surgery, but they had to. So big thing. And I said, he said, Russ, um, I said, it didn't go very well. He said to me, listen, dude, when are you going to give this dream up? He said, like, it's not happening for you. Mm. I can pick up one phone call. I can make you a wrestler today. Wow. And that was the only argument we ever had, me and Dallas. We, I, I fucking snapped him and said, fucking hell, man. Like, That's I need... some tough love. Oh, mate. Oh he's, oh, he's the king of that. He's the king of that. He's the king of that. It's, this, this is March 2018. I said, mate, I said, I need everyone that I respect and, and look up to to be on my fucking side now. I cannot have you dangling the carrot over here I've got to be I've got the blinkers are on or the blinders are on I've got to be so focused on goal we had an argument so don't mention to me this to me ever again he said I get it I get it I was March 18 I retired March 19 and everyone has helped me personally in my career I either went to go and see in England or I wrote a handwritten letter or in Dallas's case there's a couple of Americans who helped me in my career I FaceTimed Based on Dallas, Dallas said, um, you're going to see tomorrow. Um, I'm retiring from, from, from boxing and I wanted to thank you for everything you've done to help me carry on these last few years and stuff. And he said, I'm really sorry. I know how much this meant to you. I'm really, really sorry. I said, thank you. On my life, he, he, he took a beat. The next thing he said was, so now do you want to be a wrestler? I went, fuck, Dallas. I said, let me mourn for my career. Let me mourn. 18 years, unfulfilled dreams. Pain, high, bitterness. Let me mourn for my career. Yeah. Get right? He said, cool. So I said, I want to sulk right now. I want to sulk. I was still writing my retirement speech. Um, he goes, I said, I want to sulk. He said, okay, so when you finish sulking, give me a call. Said, okay. So I retired the next day and I went never. And then Dallas called me. I went to WrestleMania. My, me and my friends in school for our 30th birthday, we all went to WrestleMania to New York. And I met Dallas there and he said to me, you got to meet Cody, man. I've been telling Cody about you. You got to meet yeah. him. And I said, uh, so I'm sure that's one answer. I met Cody. He spoke, told him my story. He loved my story. I told him all the ins and outs, all the, like the glossing over my heart stopping on the operating table. Like I could, again, I could talk an hour about that. Like it was fucking like really scary. 
um, and, and having the, the insane belief that I was going to fight again to go again and lie on my bed again. No one happened to me before. And yeah. Like, you know, I was lucky last time. I'm not going to be so lucky next time. And well, the dice again and again after something like that it takes a lot of bottle to do that. Me and Cody spoke, and uh, incidentally, throughout this time, I did a big interview with uh, when I retired from boxing, March 11th, 2019. My first interview was BBC, and I had tears in my eyes. I've been boxing since I was 12 years old. Since Aaron Cooper beat a bad deacon, that night I was a boxer from that night to that day, and I wasn't a boxer anymore. I had big tears in my eyes, big cartoon tears in my eyes. And Mike Costello, the journalist, said to me, mate, what's next? You're still a young man, what's next? And purely to pop myself, so I didn't cry on camera, I went, so I don't know. Always liked wrestling, might become a wrestler. Wow. And then and every said tongue in cheek, I was so consumed in where I was at the time, I wasn't thinking about the future. So word get out, BBC goes all around the world, WWE saw it, they got in touch with me. Asking out for a tryout. I'm what Dallas, what do I do? And I he said, What I say, go to a tryout, then meet Cody. And so I went to the tryout. They were really impressed with me. I did a we did a promo class one day with Road Dog, mate. Like, again, I'm not arrogant, but I fucking killed him. He said, just sit and watch, just sit and watch. I sat and watched. And they did a class where like they had to turn, do a two-minute promo and had a turn in the promo. He said, You can turn either way. He says easier to be a good guy than turn into a bad guy. Um, and so I'm sitting watching. I went to him and said, Can I have a go, please? Then, you sure? Said, yeah, I'll have a go. And Ed won up, and I was like second to last person. And Ed won up at this point, had done typical, you know, uh, but now I'm a bad guy. So I switched it, right? So I was like, came out here and I was like being really cocky, really arrogant, being a boxer. Like, I can't remember what I said, but basically, I was going to be a cocky arrogant boxer. Wrestling's beneath me. Like, I'm going to walk into this bitch. I'm going to be the fucking champion in six months' time. Sure. But then I was like, but then I took a bump. And then I knew how hard this is. And I said, oh, God, how do you guys work? And the blah, blah, blah. So the opposite. It was like a heel. And it's much harder to be a heel than babyface. He loved it, mate. He, lo- he was like, fuck. Like, and I thought of that when I was watching other guys do it for the, next, for the last 45 minutes. He said to me, next class on Thursday, come back. This is just a scenario. You rest Finn Balor for Intercontinental title and Battleground. Must be for the next pay-per-view. He said, you got 90 seconds. Perfect. And I went away. And then I uh, I took my leather jacket with me, madly enough, because Orlando's red hot. I don't know why I did that. But I um, did my promo, leather jacket, sunglasses, and then like out-ballad Finn Balor. And he, he loved it. And as I said, they, they basically offered me a contract. And then um, AW offered me a contract. And the maddest thing was, two weeks before, I was a boxer. Two weeks later, I've now got the two biggest companies in the world like wanting to sign me. The biggest wrestling companies in the world wanted to sign me. And then I um, I met Tony Khan at Fulham game in London. And, mate, like, as soon as I met him and I heard his vision for AW and what he wanted to do and, met, and saw how charismatic he was, and how nice he was. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is, I, I, I fell in love, I fell in love with, with, with his vision of AW. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You grew up watching WWE and never missing Raw for 15 years. I'm sure at first, after the WWE trial, you were probably leaning towards, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a WWE superstar now. I, to a degree, <clears throat> plus then they, yeah, like they never actually got to a point where they offered me money, but him, they also spoke to my agent and they were, they were talking numbers and the numbers were better than AEW numbers because AEW, you know, I was going to be the first developmental talent that they signed. And from reading between the lines, I don't think they were that fussed about signing somebody from scratch because we have no, we had no, we have no real school where we trained. You were the first one. The first one. And we had to yeah. kind of figure it out and, and QT was going to train me, but QT was also at the time Cody's assistant and doing more back behind the scenes stuff and an on-screen talent. He was really, really busy. Yeah. So they, I think they were like, I, I actually think they offered me a contract where it's like, I mean, he might not accept this because it's not the best contract, but if he does, if he does accept it, we'll see how much he wants it. And so the, that was quite attractive offer. But as I said, me and Tony and, and Cody and the vision, I want to be part of that. And also I've got, you know, when I to retired from boxing, my, I felt like my life ended. I was extremely depressed, suicidal at points. Like, you know, I've got a whole like mental health talk that I do where like I talk about, the things I experienced at the time because I was so, you know, I was in a bad place. And sure. um, boxing was my everything. And I said to myself that moving this next chapter in my life, I've got lots about learning lessons and I can't make the same mistakes in this next chapter as I made in boxing. Mistakes has been, wrestling, I love wrestling, I love it. Like I'm over here, I'm away from my family. I bust my ass every I said I mentioned earlier wrestling's easy it's very hard it's not easy it came naturally to me because I've watched it for so long I'm very athletic and also I'm a little bit older and I haven't got time to waste like, I'm, I'm on it like, I'm on it I started at 31 like, I'm on it because yeah. I can't dawdle for four years like an 18 year old can like Lee Johnson's 23 years old he's got all the time in the world I haven't so I've, I've got to get it right so that's why I train so hard and I study so much so I uh, know time's against me kind of thing and you immediately oh, moved to Atlanta, right? Straight away to Atlanta. Soon my visa came through. Well, it took a few months. The visa came through. I was here bumping, learning. Um, but yeah, I, I met Tony, and as I said, I was I was blown away by his his passion for wrestling. Uh, 
He loved it. And the point I was making was, I want wrestling is what I love. I love wrestling, but I want things outside of wrestling. Now, I'm setting up a podcast in a minute where I'll talk about mental health. I'll talk about people achieving great things, but only after suffering like unbelievable setbacks. Um, I want to do some TV stuff and, and some movie stuff. I like that stuff. So you've done I, a lot of TV stuff. Like, and I don't know if everybody in the US knows this. Like, you were after the Olympics. You were a pretty big star in the UK. So yeah, I mean, I won a medal. Um, any medalist, you know, from UK gets a lot of attention. But as I mentioned earlier, with my mum's illness and stuff, that story got out. And I wasn't, I, I didn't say much, but that story got out and everyone knew what I was going through. This was a difficult time. And going through what I went through, the injuries and my mum's illness, and still getting a medal and getting up off the canvas, both metaphorically and literally, time yeah. and time again, and still fighting. Like, listen, like that, that story got around. I've done some huge, huge TV shows. And yeah, I was one of the stars from the big games, like genuinely one of the stars. And uh, yeah. if I had got the gold medal, I think I'd have been the star for the last 10 years. But anyway, you were like on a been- show called Splash, which I actually auditioned in the US to host the US edition. Really? Um, yeah. I, it, it's a fascinating, for anybody who doesn't know, it's a fascinating idea. It's basically dancing with the stars but it's diving. Like you have to go up on the high dive. It's a, I, I don't know how you have the balls to do that. Like that stuff's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I may sink or swim literally. Right. You just got to literally. It. Yeah. Like wrestling, like top, like people, the fans have no idea how high the top rope is. Mate, it's nuts. It's like, honestly, when you watch wrestling, you get accustomed to, to watching wrestling. Yep. You can't, you have no idea how hard the floor is, how hard the, the, the canvases hurts like every single day I'm wrestling out for a couple of years go to warm up you do your rolls take some bumps that first bump man it's a fucking yep. kick in the dick mate it's like every single day a first bump and like you get callous to it but still still man it's like you, you get you but like you've just got to do it you've got to listen to it when you've got a coach and well, I won't put over QT Marshall right I'll call him Mike his name's Mike unbelievable coach right unbelievable talent one of the best wrestlers in the world. Like, so good at what he does. I say it on commentary all the time. There's not a move he cannot do. Not just cannot do, cannot do probably, like, the only person who does a better 450 than him I've seen is Pac. Like, it's so good. Right? Like, he's just, he's just, and then when he does, a, when he does, he's so good that when he does a move bad, does a bad on purpose. <laughs> like, that's how good, like, how good must you be to be able to do a really hard move bad on purpose to get heat he's unbelievable um a big shout out to cody as well no just going to bat for me he's i'm, I'm glad he's trying to get in his roses now he's, well, he's, I, doing, he's doing really well i feel like cody's he, he kind of brought you in and, and brought hmm. you under his wing like because when you debuted i mean your your debut match was at double or nothing like with cody that that's a big deal yeah yeah and there's a lot yeah i mean we had 16 minutes we lost six uh, so having your first match, you know, having the first match on a massive scale like that, literally my first match. I've been training for, I got here in September 2020, and then we were doing the Jacksonville loops. So Jacksonville for a week, back in Atlanta for a week. Yeah. So I was training every other week, September to to May. So, so September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. So nine months. I had four, four and a half months of training under my belt. My 16-minute match with Cody. And I've seen people at TV like, you know, they're wrestling. Oh, you got to cut them. You got to cut a minute, and then they panic. They kind of panic and make mistakes. 
Like, we lost six minutes in our match. Six yeah. minutes in my first ever match, which was, like, annoying because we had some cool shit planned and we were going to really, like, you know, hype up the bigger moments and stuff. But listen, though, know, you've got to, you know, got to be a team player in this business. And um, I very much am a team player. And I want AEW to be successful. I want to be successful, of course. Yeah. But I want AEW to be successful as well. And uh, sometimes you got to, you know, be a team player. Look, a lot has been made of that weigh-in segment. And I mean, Big Show recently called it disastrous. When you were in it, when you were standing in the ring, did it feel to you like... Fucking dog shit, mate. Dog shit. Like, like so So Cody said to me, you went, oh, I'm going to do a weigh-in. I was like, oh, cool. I was like, so what's going to happen? And I'm out. It's going to be a weigh-in. And Cody's, mate, Cody's brilliant, right? He's brilliant at what he does. He's got a great mind for it. I love... He's a, he's a really good coach. Like, Great promo coach. Um, QT is a great wrestling coach, right? Any move you want to learn, you can do it. He can teach you how to get into it, how to get out of it. The reversals. QT is the fucking man. Yeah. And Cody... a lot of great minds in that ring. Mate, I've been very, very fortunate. I and mean, then I've got DDP. I can call anytime. Me and Jerry Lynn are like best mates. It's weird. Me and Jerry Lynn, every Wednesday morning on TV, have breakfast club. Just me and Jerry Lynn. It's just it's the maddest thing. I'm training with some real cool people, you know, and I'm very, 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 very lucky. But I think they do that because they see that I want it, right? They see that I'm, I'm sacrificing, sure. I'm working hard, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's deserved in many aspects. But um, Cody's great. Like, promos are great. He, he's great at film study. I can sit and watch him. We, we, we watched a Ric Flair match recently, no, last year, and it's it's a 20-minute match, almost two hours. Watch a pause, talk. Watch a, he's learned so much. He's so, so good. However, he was like, oh, we're going to do a fight. We're going to do a weigh-in. I called, well, so what, like, who's, who's getting knocked out? What are we going to do? I'm nothing weighing, knocking the touch. I was like, oh, like, I've watched enough of us to know that that's a bit drab, a bit of a, you know, a, bit of a fucking bit of shit. <laughs> He's like, that's going to be cool. Like, sweet, found out, listen, so like, like, I've been on TV. It's my third week on TV. I'm going to turn up. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do what I'm told. Mate, I'm in it. And I'm thinking, the crap. And you got big shows there. He's sweating his tits off. He's getting really hot. And I called, I said to him, so I said to him, I'm just being a heel. I went, so I thought he hated me for ages, uh, Paul. So I went, I said, I can't, I said to him something like, can't you count, you dumb yank? And then of, of the segments happened, no one's happy. I was, I, I just did my job. I just like, nothing I could do. I just did my yeah. job. Get my phone. My friends text me. And they went, oh, I can't believe you called the big show a C-U-N-T, right? And I uh, went, did I, what did I? I mean, I knew, I knew when I'm out there, the red light goes on. I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone. And what I do is real, right? And I thought, I say that. It's one of my favorite words. I say it all the time. But I thought, even I wouldn't have said that. I don't think. Did not I? on live TV. No, yeah. But then again, I do get lost in the moment because it becomes real to me. And if I'm having a fight with somebody, I'm calling them every name in the sun, but I'm knocking them out. So, like, possibly I, I did. And then I said, what's the back? And I did, and I said, you can't count. And when I said count, it looks like I said count. But I didn't. So I'm thinking, oh. And then I saw him next week. He wouldn't, wouldn't speak to me because he was busy, not because of that. And I thought, oh, he thinks I called him pun. I think I'm not pun. Like, man, the whole thing was disastrous, mate. It really was. But, you know, like, I, I, I feel like, well, I feel like I'm the, I'm, I'm the victim because <laughs> it was like, it was my first kind of entry and yeah. I'm in this really weird segment, which I didn't, it uh, wasn't my idea. I would have, I'd rather, I'd rather 
knockout gold dust, knockout dusting, right? We get out of the ring, we jump, big hurrah, maybe Aaron Solo gets beaten up or whatever, me and QT get away, Scott free, and then it's like, yeah, at least something happens. But they're just, we're having this weird thing where I'm in my little Union Jack pants, like I'm getting up on the turnbuckle, we do a, do a, a yay boo thing, which is yeah. so like childish, and I don't like that. Like, that's not. I, I like the, the Brian Danielsons, right? The William Regals, they're, they're in your face, smash, like the John Moxley, like they get stuck in, right? That's what I like about wrestling. I like the realism. I like, I like blurring the line between real and, and, and not real. Um, that's what I like. I don't like standing in my pants doing boo, yay, boo. So well embarrassed, mate. And then like, I'd never stood in a turnbuckle before with no shoes on because I had no shoes on for weighed in. And like the metal struts are really hard. So I'm like, my poor little soles on my feet again, dug in by the metal struts. Man, I wanted the ground to swallow me up. But listen, you know, you got to do your job. I wonder day. though, if that segment would have got the negative attention that it got, if it wasn't for Cody's reality show, because he kind of called it out and then you kind of went beyond the scenes and saw like his true emotions of it. Cause I remember watching it and I thought it started out fine. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. Like there's this weird moment where QT's making a big deal about the fact that you weighed one pound more than Cody. So you've, you're probably going to win because you weigh one pound more than him. Yeah. And then it, the segment ends with Cody being like, okay, well, I love everybody. See it double or nothing. And I just thought, yeah, oh, it started strong, yeah, but it really ended poorly. Yeah, it didn't start that strong. <laughs> Big choke didn't work out the thingy. And yeah, he didn't know ring, how the scale. <laughs> yeah, because the ring moves, the finger wobbling. And like, I they think he still weighed 219. I went like 235. So he done me for 15 pounds. I'm like, fucking, I'm like, like <laughs> you've done me, mate. Um, maybe he yeah, can't like, count. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. But like, I, uh, in, again, but the, the, the one hindsight's a wonderful thing. It'd been my idea of what I want, would like to have done. And I wasn't, now, I wasn't at stage, so I'm still not really where I could pitch this stuff. People like Cody's been there for 15 years. I can't tell him, oh, we should do this. So sure. I played Otto stuck the nut on Dustin. You know, he had, he had all his posse, all his students came out as well. Fucking chuck Aaron Solo in there. Me and Cutie Dust, we get out of there. Yeah. And then we're like, we're laughing. And, you know, you, Cody, I like you this. On Sunday. I'm going to smash it's, you up on Sunday. I don't but, think yeah. you'll be having any way in segments anytime soon, but I like this. I don't think so either. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they can be done. It, like, it's just anything can be done. But it's, yeah, like, I don't know how much of that was. was I, mean, I don't know. Like, I'll turn up each week. I work hard. I'll do my job as well as I can. I'm still learning. Yeah. And QT, um, so Cody, so he, he spoke a lot about wrestling. And he has and he's an amazing mind for it. He really has. He's got an amazing, amazing mind. I'm really grateful that he, he, he chose to work with me on my first program. And that's our only program. Um but really, no. So that was his idea, and sometimes they fall flat. But you know, like other di different circumstances, something really small could happen, and then that could be the best segment on the yeah. show. You just, you just yeah. never know. So Cody's got enough clout that when he says something, you do it because normally he yeah. hits out the park. Sometimes yeah. they fall flat, you know, and it happens. Have you talked to him since he went to WWE? Yeah, yeah. We text, we text, yeah, we text. Like I, I owe him a lot. We, I owe him a, a lot, a lot. We're not. Yeah, I owe him a lot. Like, he brought me in. And, yeah. uh, you know, again, reading between the lines, I think that when he pitched my name to TK and then the other VPs, EVPs, 
I don't know how, and I, I, I do not know how, you know, joyful they were to bring on an undeveloped, a non-developed talent. Um, and I think he really went to bat for me, um, mm. from what I've kind of like, like figured out. And I really respect that because he could have went, okay, cool, no worries. Sorry, mate. But, you know, I could have been languishing in NXT for the last two years and doing nothing. Or I could have been killing it down there. I, I think I would have killed it because I think yeah. I work very hard and I believe in myself. But I'm very happy that he went to bat for me. I'm very happy where I am. So I love the company. Um, as it, ultimately, like, it was when I met Tony at Fulham and he told me his vision for AW and the vision for me. Like, I fell in love with his his charisma, his passion, his drive. And he's got a, a, a unique flamboyance about himself, Tony Khan, which is mesmerizing. I go into his office, I've got ideas, and then we'll talk a little bit. Then he'll talk. I'm like, yeah, well, mate, like, if he says go and be head in an oven, he's got a weird way to make you go, yeah, of course, cool, so yeah, turn even hotter. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Like, you know, so he's, 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 he's a really, really, really great man. And um, yeah, I'm glad to be there. And he, he has good people around him, you know, real good people around him. So it's, it's a nice place to go to work each week. I'm really happy there. Well, I imagine with your work ethic, you're hungry for more. So what mm-hmm. is it? Like, what is it that you want more of right now in AEW? Uh, if I'm being honest, opportunity. Like, I had this program with Cody. I had to go back to the UK because I had some visa stuff going on. Um, I had to get a new visa and I had to leave America to get a new visa. And that took four or five months. So regardless of the Cody story, I had to leave anyway, which was really shit because I wanted to build on that. And I've come back and, you know, when I was gone, we signed the best wrestlers probably ever lived, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. So I'm seeing Punk, Malachi Black, some amazing stars. And it's just a really, like, rammed roster at the minute, which is great. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I like the competition. I don't see it's competition because, like, I know me. I know what I can do. I back myself. So I want people to do well because the better they do, the harder I've got to work an opportunity. So I don't see it's competition. Nobody can be me, right? So I, I back myself to the hill. But I would like more opportunity to show what I can do. But, um, you know, I've got to work hard. And I'm learning and I've, you know, I'm, I'm developing a lot and I'm, well, Tony's, was, talk, Tony's talked about taking AEW overseas in 2023, and I feel like when they do go to the UK, like your the reception you get there is going to be unbelievable. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And I think I've got the because of the boxing and because of the TV things I've done in the past, because of some of my very like, famous friends in different walks of life. Um, I think I've got that. I've got the mainstream appeal where I can go on any chat show in UK and promote wrestling, which don't really do anymore. And I think I mentioned to you before, like I almost got me and Cody on the late, late show, James Corden last year, promoting our feud for double or nothing. Wow. And the reason why we didn't is because of, because of um, COVID stuff and travel restrictions, restrictions. And I, I know James kind of and stuff. So uh, in the end, we, we didn't do it because whatever, but like I have those connections where I can get AW in front of other, like more eyeballs, more mainstream eyeballs, which is more, Wrestling fans are going to watch wrestling because we are, are we a weird bunch of people. <laughs> we, we love wrestling and I'm very much in that category. Um, the more other eyeballs you can get on it and more fans you can kind of bring to the sport, the industry, the better. Because I think, obviously I'm very biased, I'm in it and I love it. I think it's a beautiful art form, which is wildly underappreciated by the mainstream masses. And I don't want that to be the case anymore. I want people to 
appreciate how hard it is, like how yeah. talented the boys and girls are in the back, yeah. and how much they bleed. And so many like cliche, but they bleed, they sweat, they cry for this business. And I think people should respect what we do more. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think it's that's such an interesting job. thing in pro wrestling that when you have an accent that's not American, you're instantly made a new heel. And you tow this line really well on social media where you make these videos where you talk about all the things you don't like about America. You really dig into it. It feels like there's some truth behind that. Mate, I mean every fucking word. I hate it. <laughs> oh, no. Like, I, I don't like it. Like, I don't like I like three things here. There's a coffee shop I like going to around the okay. corner. I'd sit there, like to chill. I like some people, a few people I like, and there's probably a third thing, but I can't think of a third one. It's, do you know what it is? Like, I do know what it is. Like, it's cool. It's all right. It's, America's an odd place, mate. And like, live, I, live, I live in London, on the edge of East London, and I love it. I pop into town. I love it. Best city in the world. I'm home, my family and friends there. I love London. I love the UK. I love my home. I'm very passionate about being home. What I don't like, I don't think I'm a heel. I don't think I'm a heel. Like people boo me. So people boo me because you heard my story, right? The Olympic Games story, mum being ill, injuries. Yeah. What I did to get to the Olympic Games, people would bulk at. Like they wouldn't sacrifice their, they wouldn't sacrifice their teenage years to get to Olympic Games, you know? having the prospect of potentially going to a qualifier and I sacrificed so much of my life so much hardship to go to the games to win a medal I'm fucking proud of where I have my flag like and I mean that every day and I do believe for Christie well, as I mentioned earlier behind my head with a flag that means so much to me mm. and people boo me because of that someone waving an American flag fuck them like and, and, and I mean that wholeheartedly I really mean that like and I hate I hate like, this isn't the worst place in the world. I ain't far off it, though. Like, I hate how, in this country, how the American citizens have a, have a blind worship to this place. It's like, I think it's, I think it's disgusting that kids from the age of three, four, five years old stand up and pledge allegiance to a flag, and they're, they're brainwashed to love their country no matter what. This country's so bad. No other country do... Like school shootings just aren't a thing in most Western civilized countries. Look, I, it's just not I, a fucking I'm, thing. I'm from Canada, so and I've lived in the U.S. now for 12 mm. years, and I've always said it's such a strange I thing that you, when a school shooting happens, we don't ask what country did that happen in because we immediately know what country it happened in. It's 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 and like it's it's there's kind there's a school shooting in Dunblane in Scotland in the 80s. This, and and since then, nothing. There, there won't be. There won't be, right? And, and Americans say, oh, yeah, but in England, you stabbed one. Mate, yeah, there's a, there, there's a knife problem in the UK at the minute. Um, it's much harder to stab somebody than shoot somebody. You've got to get close to him. You've got to stick a knife in somebody. You can stab, I don't know, you can stab one, two, three people before you get taken down. You can be a coward in a building with a gun and pop 50 people. You know, it's just, it's very different, right? Like, yeah, I, just, and I don't, I don't know what the answer is, right? But I see the, the answer. The fucking the answer is just get rid of guns. I don't know if that's the answer. I don't know. How's that not the answer? How's that? I don't know how. How's and people? How's that not the answer? I, 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 I like. I see the comments on your videos, and people are like, "Well, if you don't like it, here leave." And I'm like, "Well, that's." 
And my response, and my take. response is, my response is, one, fuck you. I'm happy to be in here. And I'm glad I'm here taking your American money. That when I earn enough money, I'm going, mate. Like when I've got enough money, I'm going. So yeah, cool, sweet. Like I don't like and th- those people, like I'm talking about, I'm talking, I'm talking about school shootings. A six-year-old went to school, a six-year-old, little pigtails, little book bag, lunchbox, and didn't come back. And their parents will grieve the rest of their brothers will grieve this life. And rather than someone going, Oh, fucking yes, that's really bad. I'm ashamed of my country. I'm ashamed that my country allows this to repeatedly happen, repeatedly, every month, right? Repeatedly. Rather than going, fuck yeah, that's really bad. I'm just not going to comment on this one because, like, how can I defend that? They go, well, go away then. Go fuck back to England then. How, how, let's see if that is, the, the, the decision makers, if that was your daughter, if that was your son that got shot in the head and never came back, then you then let's see if guns are a problem. Let's see. And then there are no even guns, mate. My wife came here, we did the Vegas, double up flew to Vegas. She came here, she had a chest infection, went to hospital at four o'clock in this world. This is what I hate, right? I hate the idea that this country is the greatest country in the world. And people actually think that. They've never left America. They don't understand what it's like in, in nice countries. My wife, right, came to America to see me in May. She had a chest infection. We she struggled to breathe. She had shit coming out of her fucking nose or eyes. She was in a bad, bad, bad way. We drove to the hospital at quarter past four in the morning. And we sat there. They would not. We sat there. And they something as trivial as that to, that to, that to print off a form for me to sign. But they couldn't print it off because the person who had the key left that day. Didn't leave a key in this thing. Something as silly as they couldn't get into this room to print off a form for me to sign. I had to prove that I could pay for treatment before they gave they wouldn't even give us a bottle of water. My wife was coughing my guts up. Wouldn't give her a bottle of water until we could pay, until we could prove that I've got the money to pay for treatment. Two hours, she sat there coughing, coughing, coughing. I was getting irate. I could vote. And then the person came back to work at half past six, opened the door, signed it. Yeah, we can pay for it. You've got enough money in the bank. Here's a bottle of water. And then we stayed there all day. They gave us medicine and had the wrong medicine and whatever. It's like, it's all about money in this place. It's all about money. Money, 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 money. I had a same thing last year. I went to a, uh, uh, I went to hospital last year for this, for this thing. And I was like, oh, they said, oh, an MRI scan, your brain's going to be four and a half grand. He goes, probably nothing bad. What you got? It's probably nothing bad. I'm just probably just a bad headache. And I banged my head. Um, and I was for I bet, like at home, I'd get checked out just to make sure because I like my head. <laughs> I like myself. I don't sure. die. And my mom had an aneurysm, 2012. And the symptoms that she experienced before, um, she had it. She remembers her symptoms. I felt the same. I thought I was a box for a long time. Took a lot of head punches. Like, uh, like I'm probably gonna be fine. But on a small chance, I want to go in. I want to go in. You know, get checked out. I went to the hospital. And says, oh, we, we, we're sure you're fine. How much is an MRI scan? Four and a half grand. Oh, that's a lot of money. Oh, that's a lot of money. You're probably fine. But if you want, you can get it done. Uh, what do I do? What do I do? I'm sure I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, just double check. I'm going to pay the money. Four and a half grand. Head scan. Yeah, you're fine. Sweet. Now, I went home and I was fine. I was able to pay four and a half grand because I've got that in my banking out, right? But there's so many people out there, single parents, single mothers, people that have fallen on hard times through no fault of their own. Maybe somebody's run away from home because they're maybe an 18, 15 year old girl ran away from home because. Her stepdad abused her, right? 
ended up homeless, got got beaten up in the street by some fucking pricks, went to hospital. She cannot afford the four and a half grand. Doesn't get head scan. She dies of brain aneurysm. Brain aneurysm, right? It's fucking. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. In the UK, we're not perfect, and I love my country, but I don't say we're the best in the world because we're probably not. But we're damn stop better in this place. Anybody at home, anybody at home, can go to hospital, get a head scan for free. It's not because because where I come from, people's lives, whether you earn five grand a year, fifty, five hundred, your life is worth more than money. Over here, if you can't afford afford paper treatment, you can rot, you're left to rot and die in the street. That's disgusting. And anybody that can hear me say this and still go, nah, fuck it, or and then you no, know, people can go to a Buffalo a few months ago and shoot dead black people in the supermarket, you know, and then 4th of July. There was a shooting in Illinois. I was here 4th of July. I hated it. I was in, in Florida on an air parade. Hours after a school shooting, some woman wore a dress saying, friends, family, firearms, forever. And I thought, you, I'll, yeah. I'll there's still, like, there's going to be people that hear all this and still go, yep. Greatest country on earth. Fucking dickheads. They're dickheads. And I mean that. And that ain't the governor saying that. That's me saying that. You're just, you're just backwards. And that is because they're brainwashers kids with pledging allegiance to a flag, having no idea what's going on. And they'll never leave America. They'll never actually go and see what a good country is. And 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 don't get me started on the whole abortion thing, mate. Don't get me started on that because I'll be I've got you all riled up here. I'm pissed off. I'm gonna work out in a minute. I've got some I've got some tension to get out. But uh, yeah, this is like, well, it, look, it's, it's interesting as two immigrants to this country talking about this. That's what this is. In, in all seriousness, like America has some of the great, America has some amazing stuff. They're very good at certain things. Wrestling, for example. I like how, I like how America do big things very well, right? They do big things very well. But, and um, I think that America still, like the American dream is still very much alive. If you want to make it in certain industries and you want to be at the very top, this is the place you move to, to do it. You just got to risk. I agree to that to an extent. The opportunity to earn money here is, is greater than other countries. I appreciate that. You got to risk your kid getting shot in the head at school though. That's, that's, that, that's the payoff. Probably not going to happen to you. They fucking might. And what's, what's the payoff? I'm going to earn a bit more money over here. Um, but there's a chance that my kid will go to school in the morning and will get shot in the head and not come back. Or well, the risk is being a black man in America, being a mixed race man, I'm past mixed race in the UK, I'm past black over here, driving having a, driving in, in, in Macon, Georgia, driving around and seeing a police car, see me, pull out and follow me, and f- I'm driving, I never, I never speed. I value me too much to fucking speed and crash and hurt myself or anybody else. I never speed. I'm a sensible, I'm a sensible driver. Driver, seeing somebody, a copper, follow me for 20 minutes, just waiting for me to not do a signal, not indicate, or waiting for me to, to, to swear when we do something, so they can get me and, 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 you know, and make my life misery for the next two hours. That's what I deal with every single day. In Atlanta, I don't get that much. When you leave out of Atlanta, the Atlanta drive to Jacksonville did a lot last year, mate. I dread the five hours. Now what's going to happen? Now I'm going to be followed. For how I'm going to get followed by? And that's an a daily occurrence for certain people. And and what what I think is really weird. A very friend of Carly Bravo, who's a really really good independent wrestler, and um, he's killing it on the end. He's really proud of him. 
he was marine for America, right? So we had this, we had this like jovial banter, UK versus America, like back and forth all the time, right? We, yeah. we, it, it's funny. But what I struggle is, so people like him, he's a black man in America, he, life is difficult for him, right? Like much harder, he doesn't get the opportunities that other people get because of color of his skin. But people like that, they still say, America, best place in the world. I'm thinking, what did I do this for? How did I brainwash you? You're one of the people that should be like, oh no, ain't very great for us. Like in other countries, they haven't given more of an opportunity, you know? But listen, America did a number on their, on their students growing up. Um, but it's cool. It's, listen, it's, 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 it has a lot of good here. It has a lot of good here because I'm here. Have you right? thought about going back? Have you thought about going back to the UK? Uh, listen, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a toughie. I can, I, I can write it out. Listen, I agree with your point. I do agree with your point. All no, I'm aside, just curious because I feel like that that's a lot. There's going to be a lot of comments on this video from people being like, if you don't good. like it, why, why do you still live here? And I'm, I'm here. And then because, okay, right? To concur with what you said, you can earn more money here in certain industries, right? You can get ahead here in, in certain industries. Like, it's very good at that. Right, it's it's entertainment industry, wrestling, TV, acting, movies. It's better. It's it's better. It's bigger. It's better. There's more opportunity. Um, I get that. I actually like it in the south. Like I like people. People are quite nice. Like some hospitality thing. That's I like a real it. thing. Yeah, it's a real thing, and I actually really like it. Like there are things like I saying things like I say something's tongue cheek. Something's very passionate about done thing. Kids getting shot in the head. Black people getting shot in the head. Uh, the abortion thing I feel very strongly about. Some things annoys me more than I feel strongly about it, you know, but is what it is. Um, I will, when I finish wrestling, I don't know what I'm going to do. I haven't figured out yet, but I will retire in in England for sure, 100% in the UK. I'll go back home eventually. This is a, this is a 10, 20 year chapter of my life. Um, so, but I'm enjoying this. And there's things I do enjoy. I do enjoy being here. It's cool. And I do like winding people up. I'm very, I'm very thick skinned, right? Like I'm very hard to wind up and piss off. So I thought I enjoy doing my Twitter things. People get so pissed off. It makes me laugh. It really makes me laugh because I don't I just I, I don't care enough about it all. But um you know, it's it's is is wrestling's good here. And I enjoy the entertainment thing. You can become the biggest star here. If you're a star in America, automatically you'll start in other countries because it yeah. does have an influence over the world. It's just, it is a case of you got to put up a lot of shit. Well, um, when I first moved here, I was blown away by the food choices. I was like, <gasps> tell me about the cheesecake factory. Maybe, no, but it's, a, it's a bad thing. It stresses me out, right? So There's oh, so like, many I, options. I, there's too much. The first like, six months I lived here, I was like, I was eating... It was Cracker Barrel and Waffle House and Applebee's and uh, like every chain that I'd never experienced before in my life. I'm like, break, I want it all. I, I went to Steak and Shake and was like, what do you mean I can get two meals for $10? This is mind blowing. Because they want everyone to be fat. Because if you're fat, you're unhealthy. If you're unhealthy, you have surgery. Surgery, spend money. Then they get money. It's like, it's, it's all about money. But like I go to a restaurant and the menu is like a fucking Bible. It's like an old school map. It's so big. Like I want, I want one of six things. I want a six, one of six, six things. Um, like I can eat sixty options. It's too much. It stresses me out. I'll go to a restaurant. I my my I swear my my roommate orders for me because I get stressed out. There's too much choice. 
and the one day everyone like one day there's like so much like anxiety in the man okay everyone's like stressed out all the time but everything so much choice tv the paradox of choice that's a real thing the paradox 100%. of choice i get it tv in the uk we have a lot of channels right in america there's 10 times more that's like man it's like i'll see family guy on some channel bar i might watch that but i'll flip around all the channels two websites have gone it's like i've missed two of the family guy and at any point during the day you can turn on the tv and the office seinfeld or friends is on yeah yeah not the good office though the good office is the uk office ricky gervais that's the proper office. The original. The original. Look, I've got you all wound up here, but it's fascinating learning about your story and like learning more about, you know, who the governor is because I feel like we only see a slice of it on AEW. Yeah, we haven't seen enough. Like I've been working really hard. Opportunities have been very slim lately because I said a minute ago we've got a we've got a, a wrapped a, a rammed roster. Um, but working very hard. And when I am given the next opportunity, I'll definitely grab it with both hands. And there's there's so many layers that we can peel in with me. I've lived such a life already and in real life, and I'm waiting for to be able to kind of bring that out on, on TV. Um, yeah, and I think- you're, you're healthy and ready to go? Mate, I'm, I'm, I've, had a, I've had 17, I've got the, the best men's record in AEW. The only person who's got a better record than me is, is who's had, a, had over like 10 matches is Jay. Uh, I'm thinking I'm nine. I think I'm like seven. I think I'm like nineteen and one. The one match against Cody, I've lost. The one every every match, I'm learning and developing. I'm learning so much. It's like I haven't got. I'm not given enough time yet to show what I can do. Um, I'm gonna start doing some more indie dates because I just want to wrestle. I just want to wrestle and get good and get reps in. So I'm doing more indie dates. Hit me up for some indie dates. Um, available. Oh, so what's the best place place for people to book you? Uh, at uh, on my Twitter, on Instagram, at Anthony Gogo on my management email, agogo management at gmail.com. Um, yeah, reach out to me. I'm willing to do it in these. I just want to learn and get better. Yeah. And at the minute, I'm just kind of doing squash matches in AW. I want to wrestle with good people. That's how we get really better. I've been doing all the training in the in the ring. I'm training with Dave Taylor, another British legend here in Atlanta. Um, we train together two, three times a week, every week. So I'm learning so much like old school British stuff. I want an opportunity to kind of do it, you know, in a in a match format. So that's really cool. But yeah, but I'm 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 just doing. I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'm raring to go. And yeah. there's a big future uh, for me. 100. percent I I can't wait to see what's next for you. you. And look, I end every conversation with the same question because I I love gratitude. And I wake up every day. I say out loud three things that I'm grateful for. So, Anthony, for you, what are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? I'm grateful. Um, that I see, I'm grateful that living in this shit all of America. I'm grateful. Uh, I'm grateful. I'm joking, but not really. I'm grateful. Um, I'm very, 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 very grateful that when I retired from boxing, like uh, in many aspects, I thought my life is over. And I mentioned earlier, I was very suicidal. I went to some very dark places. I'm very grateful that. I've been given a second chance of doing something that gives me a lot of fulfillment. And, um, you know, wrestling isn't the next best thing. It wasn't, it's never, I don't look at it like that. Wrestling is an amazing thing in its own right. And after having such a bad injury with, with boxing and damaging my eye and like not being able to do a lot of stuff, like I'm so glad for, thankful for DDB, for Cody, for Tony Khan, for QT Marshall, um, everyone else who I've worked with, for giving me a platform to be happy again, really. 
and and to do something like it sounds really cheesy, but I'm genuinely first dream Olympic gold medal. As as eleven twelve year old watching the rock all down to the ring, second dream be the rock, mate, be the rock, be, be the rock, and I'm genuinely this is a second chance living our childhood dream like walking down the ring and being a professional wrestler, which is the coolest thing in the world. So I'm very, very, very grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful my mom's still alive and she supported me through this. I've got the most amazing supportive wife, amazing family. And I'm very grateful, Chris, for having the chance to talk to you today and to, to, to share my story with the wrestling fans. So thank you very much, man. I really appreciate it. It's a heck of a story. It's my pleasure for, you know, to be able to listen to it and to have you on the show. So Anthony, Again, before we, shoot, before, we, before we wrap up, I just want to say thank you for Connor Jervis, uh, first round management for hooking us up. I really appreciate it. Thank you to my teams as well. I really, really appreciate it. And as I said, mate, huge, huge future. Huge future. And I look forward to talking to you again, mate, and talking, talking more wrestling, winning belts, storylines, and all that fun stuff. Well, we'll do the next one in person. How about that? Come on. There we go, my friends. Big thank you to Anthony for joining us. And thank you, as always, for being with us on another audio adventure. I can't wait to see what's next for Anthony. Hey, do me a favor. Please share this episode with a friend that you know would love this. And take a screenshot and share it on social media. Tag us so we know you're listening. Anthony is at Anthony Agogo. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. That's easy because it's, it's just our names. And I'll leave you with an amazing quote from Ruth E. Renkel. You live longer once you realize that any time spent being unhappy is wasted. Be great and be grateful. We will see you on the next one for some more insight. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.